Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. I am pedestrian, <laughs> reformed advocate, former pedestrian, now just a driver, Joseph Peters, also executive producer at Denver 7. Reformed, I see, yes. As you said last time, because you are, you know, you're driving all around town now. You're running people over and, uh, and uh, pedestrians be damned. Hashtag road rage. <laughs> this could be one of the uh, best headlines coming up in just a few minutes that I've had ever on this show. It really is quite amazing. Uh, no guests today. I've been trying to hook up with someone about a story uh, that was sent to me a week or so, two weeks ago, stating that private air travel is more popular now since COVID since it's so much easier to deal with commercial uh, to deal with private flights than commercial flights, I was a bit skeptical uh, reading through that uh, little uh, uh, email, and uh, so because generally it costs so much more to take a private flight than it does to take a commercial flight, and I uh, have been working to try to get that interview hooked up for maybe they they couldn't come on early this week, so I'm hoping by uh, maybe early next week I'll be able to have that. We'll see. Uh, but, um, so I'm working on that. I also found this great paper by this, uh, person who it's actually a couple of, uh, professors, I think from Vanderbilt and from Cornell. And they are, they wrote this whole paper about what the traffic could be post COVID. And they think it's actually going to be a lot worse because people are going to be I'm just doing some cliff notes here. Uh, less likely to want to ride on mass transit, buses, trains, obviously, uh, and that we're going to see a lot more single occupancy people in their cars driving once the economy, maybe in a year or two or whatever, starts picking up. And we could actually have way worse congestion in years following the COVID than we've ever had before COVID. It's certainly going to force uh, transit companies to rethink the way that they do mass transit. Oh yeah. Um, I I don't know that the amount of people who are using single occupancy vehicles is going to offset the number of people who suddenly find themselves working from home as opposed to having to drive to the office every day. It does feel like there are a lot fewer of those people on the roads every morning. Right. There are a lot of people on the roads. I've seen traffic ticking up and, and in some of the same areas I've seen it every single morning. I think other reporters around the country are seeing similar traffic patterns. So it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. But obviously, we're not through the whole COVID thing yet. We're not even close to being through with this thing yet. I, I don't think we're, I'm going to come back to the TV station probably until next spring at this point. What, what do you think? Oh, yeah. I know. I think you're absolutely right. Especially, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the talent who already have remote setup set up. Why would you ever come back? Why would you ever come back? There's actually no reason for it. Well, right? I, I I like interacting with the audience on the green screen because I think it's for, for at least for me. I think I interact with the audience better that way um, yeah, than I dude, do paint here. Paint a wall green, right? Well, I guess I could, but then I'm going to need. So if I do a green screen here, I'm going to need another computer system to do the chroma key here from the house, and it can't be done from the TV station. So everything has to be done here and then sent to there. So I would just need a lot more equipment. I would need the green screen. I have the wall to do it. I could just paint the wall right behind me right. and make it green. Uh, I would need a couple of monitors on either side of me, just some better lights here, so that doesn't cost too much. And then one camera that's right in front of me, that's not too big of a deal. And then a remote link that would have basically no delay that goes from here to the TV station. And I don't know what that entails, but because uh, I'm no engineer. But uh, it's it's definitely possible, but 
Is it probable? Well, the question is, how much money are you willing to throw at None, it? None. Right? Zero. Exactly. Because this is my job. Um, I mean, if the TV station wants to throw money at it, great. But listen, that green screen, how thrilled would your daughters be and how epic would the baton twirling videos be oh, in front right. of a green screen? <laughs> They're already pretty epic because we just had the uh, baton twirling. Since t- since I was supposed to go to nationals, the national baton twirling championships, we were supposed to leave actually today uh, to go to mm. Stockton, California for that. And... Uh, we, we actually created a video the last week that was part of their, uh, parade of stars of some sort. So it was my girls did a video that was a minute and a half long. And then they did a whole live stream thing with all these different videos from these, uh, kids from around the country. And it was pretty fun. So, uh, we're missing out on, on Stockton. Um, I am so sad about that. (laughs) Just really missing out on Stockton. Or it's about 118 degrees or something like that, isn't it? I mean, uh, something like that. They have minor league baseball in Stockton, Jason. No, they, nobody has see... baseball. Oh, you're right. Well, they <laughs> would have. They would have. Had you been able to visit under normal circumstances. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so instead, we're actually going to go to the mountains for a couple of days, uh, and I will be gone until Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. So I think we should m- maybe record, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Because I um. I I uh, I don't know if I really want to work on another uh, show while I'm off. So fair enough. So maybe we'll we just take. Discuss. Maybe we'll discuss. We'll take the week off. So I also not only want to uh, tell you that we're going to hopefully have some guests coming up in the later weeks, uh, but also we're going to have an interesting conversation coming up in a little bit about how the defunding of police departments could affect road safety. I have a lot of thoughts about that. If you want to reach the show, you sure can email. Driving Crazy Podcast at gmail.com or 303-832-0217 is the phone number to leave your message. I just got a, 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 a like basically a hang up the other day to the voicemail. <laughs> I was disappointed because I got the email that says, hey, you got you got a voicemail message. And so I, I go to it and it's nothing but dead air for about 10 seconds. Mm, Sad. Terrible. It was one of those uh, telemarketers. Oh yeah, telling me that I've uh, that that they can give me an extended warranty on my car. Fantastic for a car that I have. I, I used owned. to get those when, right? I used to get those when I wasn't driving. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's the one of the best headlines uh, and stories that we've ever had on the show. Here's the headline: Oregon man driving stolen car crashes into woman driving another stolen car. <laughs> That's the two for one right there. Instant karma. It was a police chase in Oregon that ended when a driver fleeing authorities in a stolen car crashed into a woman driving another stolen car. And this debacle took place when police responded to a report of a stolen Lexus Land Cruiser driving through downtown Newburgh, Oregon. That's just outside of Portland. And a pursuit, uh, that, that pursuit ended. It only lasted for a few blocks before the driver crashed into another car. Police identified the driver of the first car as Randy Lee Cooper of Portland, and after taking Randy Lee into custody, police realized the second car was also reported stolen in an unrelated crime three weeks ago. The driver of that car, Kristen Nicole Begue, was also found to be under the influence. So she was driving a stolen car that got wrecked into by another stolen car, and she was driving under the influence. Both, well, and- as you can imagine, were taken to jail. She would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for that other mischievous man driving his own stolen vehicle while drinking. If it weren't for she, those meddling kids. 
Exactly. She <laughs> three weeks. She had that car for three weeks and nobody said anything about it. I know. She I was, mean, that's incredible. She was going. She was uh, living the. She was just getting comfortable with her stolen car, and and you know, she probably already rearranged all the presets in the radio to her liking since she was in there for so oh, yeah. long. Uh, probably already adjusted something. the seat. What if you got your stolen car back and it was like just all contemporary Christian radio stations? <laughs> I don't think that would happen. God is the chosen one. You know what I mean? Something yeah. like that. Yeah, I do. That That's not really one of the uh, contemporary Christian songs, but it was a good effort on your part, though. Well, I, <laughs> I, I, have I, you ever heard the real sin savior? I used to listen to that contemporary Christian stuff, man. I'm all over it. Very nice. All right. So mm -hmm. an Italian woman. She was uh, driving in Italy, obviously. She's Italian. She's from Italy. And she was in Italy, and she's driving her Ford Focus down a coastal highway, and she came up upon one of these photo radar machines, and they're pre prevalent there in Italy. Now, the speed limit there on this uh, coastal highway is 70 kilometers an hour, and she was going a touch faster than that. All well and good, but when the photo radar took the picture of her and her car... It recorded the speed as not just over 70 kilometers an hour. It recorded the speed as 703 kilometers an hour. <laughs> That's almost 437 miles an hour in a Ford Focus. That's closer to the speed of a commercial jetliner. It, it seems unlikely. Seems unlikely. Obviously, the camera malfunctioned. Now, the local mm -hmm. newspaper there in Italy reported that the local police failed to do the double check of the camera's picture before mailing the woman the ticket, which would have placed 10 points on her license and carried a fine of 850 euros. That's just under $1,000. Obviously, she didn't go 703 kilometers, so a transportation spokesman for the community advised the driver to appeal to the local government for compensation and joked that even a missile on that car couldn't possibly make it reach speeds that high <laughs> but it would probably improve the ford focus's overall coolness absolutely i mean isn't the 840 euros a worthy price to pay to be able to go at the speed of a commercial jetliner i think it is um because that version of the ford focus that's available in europe in europe it can actually go 155 they say i would say downhill in in downwind in a hurricane Wow. I mean, I, I wow. do really think you're going to get a Ford Focus at 155 miles an hour. I don't think you're going to get a Ford Focus at a 55 miles an hour sometimes <laughs> in this country. Exactly. <laughs> but here's the other thing. What does it say about our world that she has to appeal to get this thing knocked off her license? I know that they don't just say, all right, come on, look, we screwed up and you're just fine. Actually, here's a gift card to Chili's and enjoy because we screwed Wait. up. That's what I'm saying. Like, no, we encourage you to file an appeal so that we can overturn the the Miss mistake there uh, come on dude yeah just do it yourselves all right you haven't been flying yet since the uh, whole covid thing have you sorry what have flying have you been flying since the whole yet. covid thing no all right well no, but my parents have and they should not be those 65 year olds should not be on on airplanes oh are you worried about their health they're going to catch something is that what you're worried about or just that they absolutely they, okay so even before the covid should they have been flying or or not so it's not it's not a your parents thing it's more of a they're going to catch the disease thing they should be wearing a mask at all times jason though the tsa is now requiring their officers to change the gloves that they wear more frequently 
and wear face shields when screening passengers. Changes they think will help prevent the spread of the virus. I've said this all along. People, you see them wearing gloves all the time. They're always wearing the same gloves. They should be exchanging and changing those gloves every transaction, whether it's at the grocery store or the TSA or anywhere, because they're just as contaminated as your hands would be, and probably even more so, because at least with your hands after every transaction, you can use the sanitizer. I don't see anybody wearing gloves using sanitizer on the gloves. It is such a Mm -hmm. fallacy that they think they're actually being cleaner and or safer by just using gloves over and over and over again. It's dumb. So this is a good change by the TSA, at least in my view. Now, yes, it's going to mean a lot more changing of gloves for these workers, though, right? I mean, your job yes. all of a sudden is like on, off, on, off, on, off all day. So it might cost us a little more because we're going to be changing gloves a lot more and paying for gloves for the TSA. Now, the changes follow this complaint by a whistleblower came in last month. It was a TSA official that said that the agency failed to provide enough protective equipment to people who are coming in close contact with the traveling public. Because TSA officers, they have actually, several, many of them have been sickened by the coronavirus at this point. So now TSA officers are going to be required to change their gloves after every passenger pat-down or carry-on bag inspection. They will also require officers to wear face shields or protective eyewear when working in close contact with passengers in areas where no plastic barrier is installed. There was more of a, than a thousand TSA employees so far have tested positive for the virus since just February. Uh, six people in the TSA have died because of it. By uh, we were talking, we were over. Where were we yesterday? We were at uh, Sam's. We were at Sam's Club yesterday. Right when you walk in, they have this display, and they had these for five bucks, a pack of four face shields. And so we thought, let's just go ahead. I mean, it's five bucks. Let's just go ahead and buy it and see if the kids want to wear that before going to school because they have the option of wearing the the mask or the face shield. Now, the kids, they tried it on. They look like little welders, which I thought was kind of (laughs) cute. They didn't think it was that that cute. Um, But it was an interesting look for them. And and since we've been wearing masks so much, it uh, it was interesting to see what what the face shield would offer compared to what the mask would offer. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, the face shield, do you remember V Stiviano from a few years ago, the whole, uh, Donald Sterling incident with the LA Clippers? Uh, no, I do know Donald so, Sterling with the Clippers. So Sterling's Sterling's mistress, right. V Stiviano made masks. Cool. She was, she went crazy and she went out on rollerblades wearing a face shield six years ago. Right. And at the time, we all just thought she was nuts. And now she's a trendsetter. So I in, in at some point, I feel like the Darth Vader masks are going to come in vogue. And we're oh, all sure. just going to be wearing full on like avatars over top of our head or mascot <laughs> heads or something like that. Could be. Well, and then if you want to go the double uh, whammy, you could wear your mask and the face shield all at the same time. Oh, gosh. See? A welder and what a nurse. Yes, like, exactly. <laughs> all of it. All the above. Uh, but, you know, in some parts of the world have actually been begun opening up to international travelers. A lot of countries are still not letting Americans come into their country. But there is one place that is opening only to a specific type of traveler. So the country of Fiji, I've never been to Fiji. You've been to Fiji? 
No Fiji? No Fiji. No Fiji. No Fiji. Okay, they've established a reopening plan for international travelers, and they call it Blue Lanes. Now, these specific kind of travelers must have a negative COVID-19 test before departure, and then they have to spend 14 days at sea or quarantine away from everyone else when they get to Fiji, and then also clear a health screening when they get to Fiji. But Fiji isn't looking for any kind of tourist, so it's they're not wanting you or me or basically any of our listeners to go to Fiji right now. If you're a billionaire with a private jet and the means to rent an entire island, Fiji says, come on in, we'll welcome you with open arms. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Well, do we we don't have that kind of money? Are you sure we don't have that kind of I'm money? I'm very sure. If I'd had that kind of money, I wouldn't be sitting here doing this show in this basement. Uh, according well, you'd to be doing the show, just not that basement. <laughs> according to CNN, a group of people from a very well-known company have taken Fiji up on this offer, and they plan to arrive by private jet, stay in the country for three months. Fiji has reported only 18 cases of the virus, no deaths so far. At the onset of the pandemic, Fiji Airways, they grounded 95% of its flights and hundreds of hotels were closed so they could keep people from coming in and infecting the rest of Fiji. And they're apparently in talks with Australia and New Zealand about entering into their so-called travel bubble that would allow citizens of the three countries to travel freely in between the three countries. But nothing has been finalized yet because... We've heard that Australia and New Zealand, I think New Zealand is famous for having either zero cases or maybe one case in the last month. So they're doing really well. The Seychelles last month announced a similar policy where foreigners can vacation there, but the government tourism ministry is only looking for the high-end visitors right now, the ones with lots of spending cash. Only visitors traveling on private jets and chartered flights who will be heading off directly to remote island resorts will be allowed in. So there you go. If you have the means and the money, head to Fiji. So basically all the small clusters of islands are saying, please come use our islands. Because we want the money. Yes. Because we want the money, but we also don't want your diseases. Well, this is what happens when you have a country that has literally no exports, is you wind up begging people to come and spend money to stay there. <laughs> exactly. And, well, their, their one export is uh, is sunshine and sand and uh, water and relaxation. And, unfortunately, you can't bottle that up and send it here. you got to go get it yourself. As the, uh, uh, well, Yosemite Sam, I, I don't know if he's going to be... Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's uh, on the list anymore of being acceptable uh, in the, today's society. As he, uh, well, no, it wasn't him that said it. It was uh, who was it? No, it wasn't Yosemite Sam. It was the other one, uh, Elmer J. Fudd. He would say Weston Wewaxation. I think Elmer Fudd also would be also on the uh, not so safe list in these times. Well, it's just because he was shooting Bugs Bunny in the head, right? (laughs) At least trying. That's all. (laughs) At least trying. The only time he almost got the rabbit is when he was doing the opera man, and he tried to strike him down with a a sword and magic helmet. What do those cartoons look like these days? Do they all just like race go-karts or something? Oh, yeah, pretty much. No, it's all princess. It's all princess stuff, that kind of thing. Uh, You have two daughters, Chase. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's all princess stuff. It's it's, you know, it's a lot of uh, Sophia the First and uh, the Tangled series, and yeah, 
Anyway, actually, they're really big into game shows right now. They can't stand they can't stand missing uh, either uh, the Price is Right. They have to watch the Price is Right every weekday, and they also love the Wall, and they love uh, all these new game shows that are out there. Oh, Press Your Luck! They're big into Press Your Luck. They Excellent. love the Excellent. Holy Moly, all of that stuff. Do they watch Don't? No, they haven't. Um, uh, but they uh, they do like what is that other show that they like so much? Oh, uh, Family Feud. Feud is great. Holy moly is excellent. Yeah. Everybody should be watching Holy Moly. Love the Holy Moly. Uh, all right. So there's a plan to build a high-speed train between Southern California and Las Vegas. There's a lot of people that go between Las Vegas and Los Angeles, and there's a lot of people that rather take a train than uh, drive that, well, I think it's a three-hour drive or so. And it's really like five, functionally. Yeah, because there's, it can get so crowded. Well, they just got a boost recently after the rail company in charge of this project received permission to build it right along Interstate 15. Express West entered into a lease agreement with the California Department of Transportation to construct this rail line in the median of I-15. That's right in between the east and westbound lanes. Now, approximately, well, I guess technically I-15 is a north-south highway, just like I-25, I-35, any any odd-numbered highway is technically a north-south highway. Uh, east-west or even-numbered highways, even though from Southern California to Las Vegas is basically going east-west. A- anyway, I-, I diverted from the topic. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we so- <laughs> were talking about the highway system. <laughs> no, uh, approximately 135 miles of the 170-mile rail system will be in California, and the project will be privately financed. It should cost about $7 billion. They expect the first compl- uh, to first complete a link between Las Vegas and Victoriaville, California, with plans to then eventually extend the line another 80 miles all the way to Los Angeles. Now, this project stalled several times over, obviously, financing, how much it's going to cost and where they're going to get the money and how they're going to build it and the land to to get it. But that kind of train route, to me, actually makes sense. It it takes people from their homes or at least an area in Los Angeles where they can uh, either take another train or, or, or they can drive to and park there to Las Vegas, where they don't need a car to get around. I mean, Las Vegas is one of those towns similar to Manhattan where it is actually designed for for walking and cabs and for, for not using a car because you are going to be drinking the whole time. Well, and also designed for you to get in and out, right? So this sort yes. of fixed route makes sense because it is one tourist route that is used often in the same way that, like, yeah, I don't think it's a commuter route, right? You can't commute from Vegas to Los Angeles. There would be no reason. Well, like on a Monday to a Friday, the only commuters would be the strippers. Well, and and that's a thing, right? Like we can't ignore it that. It is no. There there's there's people uh, we've seen when I used to go hang out uh, in Vegas with the with the guys from the radio station. Uh, we would see on the weekends uh, strippers from Denver going to Las Vegas. Oh, interesting. The Californians fl- flew in too. I mean, that, that's definitely a thing. But uh, no, I think this is a great idea. I just hesitate to get too excited about it because the state of Nevada doesn't do great with getting big projects over the finish line. Yeah. And, you know, because when you get there to Las Vegas, I mean, really all you want to do is go from casino to casino, uh, catch a cab. You you never really need a car there. You're just walking around or stumbling around or whatever. it's, It's one of those perfect places where you never need to drive anywhere. Well, and on the strip, especially, they go out of the way to minimize cars. I mean, there's the there's three lanes of traffic going either direction, but there's no crosswalks. It's all pedestrian bridges. 
So the pedestrians don't even mingle with the cars. It's two totally separate entities. Yep. A lot of cities could learn from that. That's something we should be seeing in more places. I know. I've always thought that it would be a good idea to elevate, whether it's uh, bikes or or people, away from the cars. If you separate them, put them on different levels, and then you're going to, one, be safer. It's going to be a lot easier to maybe walk around from building to building, drive, ride your bike from place to place. Uh, if you separate it from cars and other traffic and the traffic lights, just separate them like you do. Because in, in Las Vegas, you have some of those aerial uh, bridges and some spots mm-hmm. where you can go from casino to casino without even have a, having to walk on the street. So, um, but, but on the strip, it lends itself to that sort of activity. How sad is it that we're both like, yeah, Vegas, my second home, my favorite place. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't been back. We were actually talking about going back. Uh, but still with my two little girls about the only thing they want to do is go to the pool. That's about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like we're going to be sitting at the blackjack table with my two <laughs> daughters who are eight and 11, even though they would Yet. be good gamblers. Give I think they would be. Uh, they're right. baton twirlers, man. They're, they're definitely going to be blackjack players. All right. So I want to get your take on this possible scenario. Fewer cops equals more people driving badly. I really think this is a serious conversation that needs to be discussed because it, it sounds like the idea of defunding the police is really going to keep ramping up and go forward. And there are going to be changes with the police departments uh, going forward in the years to come. Because when you talk about defunding the police department, you're really talking about fewer police officers to do what police officers do every single day. Now, one of those roles is to enforce traffic laws, like speeding or tailgating. I mean, you you know all the rest of the, the, the regular traffic offenses. And if we have fewer police officers on a police force who are normally doing routine traffic patrols, that would make you assume that there would be fewer officers doing traffic enforcement. And I think if there were fewer traffic enforcement officers driving around, drivers would take advantage of that situation because humans are really good at taking advantage of situations where someone's not watching. Just take a look at any four-year-old. Mom's not watching, and that's when they get into most trouble. We were over at Top Golf the other day. And there were these three kids with the nanny. And as soon as the nanny turned around and was, was hitting her shot, one of the boys was throwing um, tater tots at the other girls and trying to get it stuck in, in, in her hair. And so it, it, I, could, I was watching this little boy, and he was probably eight, nine years old. And he was just smiling as he's just waiting for that nanny to look the other way. And then he could start doing what he wanted to do. So when people aren't being watched by who they think is somebody who has any kind of authority over them, then they're going to do their worst. And that's when they're going to get into most trouble. It'd be, it'd be similar to how drivers during the very start of this whole evaporation of traffic during the, during the start of the lockdown, when drivers started not seeing police officers, not seeing other cars, not seeing anybody else really on the roads. So they started speeding they, they started overall driving more recklessly. In really those first few weeks, if not month, of that traffic evaporation. Before the COVID catastrophe, I mean, we would hear a lot of complaints about people driving recklessly and speeding and, and, uh, and, and people going slow in the, in the fast lane. We've always heard that, right? I get more complaints about that when I was doing my uh, Friday Facebook Live broadcast. That oh, I'm sick of people driving slow in the fast lane. 
people, mm-hmm. you know, people mm-hmm. running red lights, uh, drivers not tr- using their turn signals, all those typical bad driving issues that we heard about all the time. But like, there's a simple solution to that, right? And that's more surveillance. That, that is literally, we have the technology to solve that problem. If you want people to stop running red lights, install more red light cameras. If you want people to stop speeding, install cameras to catch people who are going above 70 miles an hour. I mean, th- these are solutions that are within our grasp that people refuse to accept. And so you wind up relying on traffic patrol cops who are wrong <laughs> often. Um, to And if you're relying on traffic patrol cops to catch red light runners, are you ever going to catch a red light runner? When's the last time you ever saw or heard of somebody getting pulled over for running a red light in the city of Denver, specifically? Never. Zero examples that I can think of. Maybe perhaps you you can, but I would not be able to name one. And part of the reason for that is because they don't have the manpower to devote to enforcing simple traffic laws that we all agree universally should be enforced. Well, and I believe believe then as I do now to your point that if there was a more presence of police even if there's no intention of pulling an offender over but at least there was a perception by drivers that they could get pulled over because they 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 either see police officers often on the road or or maybe they see speed traps on the road that drivers are less likely to engage in that bad behavior because people generally act and drive better when they think they're being watched or they think there is a possibility of getting pulled over and receiving a ticket because money being handed over to the city or the state government for a traffic offense is a very good motivator to be good behind the wheel, especially if that Mm -hmm. money that's being handed over isn't just $20 or $30. If it's 200 or 300 or $400, people are going to drive much, much better. And to your point, I think that's what could happen. We could see more automation when it comes to speed enforcement and red light enforcement but that still doesn't allow for uh, tailgating or other aggressive driving behaviors that really have to be patrolled by a person that can see those things happening now if the perception becomes i think if more people start perceiving over time that fewer police departments have fewer officers doing any patrols then the likelihood of me Let's say I'm driving on the highway and every day and every week I drive the same route and I'm not seeing any police officers. I'm not seeing anybody get pulled over. I'm not seeing any of the usual speed traps that I usually see that if I think that me getting pulled over, the likelihood is very low, then I might as well go ahead and do those things. Go ahead and start speeding a little bit more or riding on somebody's bumper a little bit more because the odds of getting in trouble for it are so much lower than the odds of not getting away with it. Yeah, but I, th- I again, I think that the problem is that these are cities that are already at reduced manpower levels, right? So if you look at, and I don't want to talk about some of the cities that aren't that, that way, right? Because in Lakewood, specifically where I'm living right now, I do see cops out on traffic patrols fairly regularly. And so I know that that's a thing that's happening in this community. But if you look in a city like Denver, it's pretty clear that the manpower is not there for routine traffic enforcement because they, quite frankly, have other stuff to be doing. Right. And so there, there was always the perception pre-COVID, perhaps it's greater now, that there's just nobody out there policing, tailgating, like you brought up, red light running, things like that. And I don't even believe that the red light cameras that were in place before are still active. And if they are, I don't know that they're still giving out tickets there. So where is the enforcement in a city like that as it stands right now? 
So it depends. I think, I think no it depends matter, on the city because you, you just right. mentioned a huge city like Denver, and I would uh, think it's similar in in Dallas or Los Angeles, where the police have been overwhelmed with the. Uh, task of doing other duties besides just traffic enforcement. And even though the city of Denver has its own traffic unit, there have been so many crashes and uh, other traffic enforcement uh, investigations that they have been pulled that way so that you see very few officers actually sitting out there doing speed enforcement or other kind of just patrolling, looking for things that are happening. They're relying on the speed, uh, the photo radar gun or the photo radar van that's uh, set up. I saw that uh, last week when I was heading into downtown Denver. I saw the photo radar van that was set up. But but towns like yours, Lakewood, which is west of Denver, and I think in other suburbs in other big cities could see as we move forward if this idea of defunding police departments takes hold, we could see fewer officers in departments that are already seeing reduced staff to do these sort of activities mm-hmm. because I, I realize that part of the conversation the country is having right now really goes to the idea of pulling people over for no reason. Now the, the police were engaged with George Floyd for a reason. It wasn't that they, they weren't engaged with him for just pulling him over for nothing like saying his headlight was out and then all of a sudden it escalated into his death. It was, it was for, for counterfeit money and, and, uh, and they wanted to you know, find out what was going on. So that was, that, that's a different deal. But we talked a little bit about this last week with the state troopers in Nebraska pulling over drivers with just Colorado license plates because they thought that uh, pot could be in the car. Just because Colorado has the uh, first law where you could have recreational marijuana. So those bordering states thought everybody that was coming out of Colorado was carrying pounds and pounds of marijuana to distribute it somewhere else in the United States. And, And more often than they not, they would target minority drivers. We talked about that last week. And I realize that most, if not all, people of color legitimately and rightly are concerned, afraid, terrified, of being pulled over by a police officer and having that escalate into something more serious like the George Floyd situation than just, hey, here's a warning because your headlight's out. And and maybe that's where the reforms need to go. And maybe we need to look at a whole different kind of traffic enforcement technique, maybe its own separate division. I know in some of the big departments, Denver has its own traffic division, but maybe that needs to be reformed in a different way. Or, or maybe we need to have specialized traffic police officers. Maybe departments will be divided into, let's say you have a community resource officer that helps out in just domestic violence situations. Maybe they're not armed. Maybe they are trained in counseling. They can de-escalate a situation easier that way. Uh, maybe there's officers that are trained in just traffic investigations. So they only handle the crashes or other traffic uh, issues like that. And I've seen, at least in Denver, they have a, it almost looks like a civilian traffic investigator van or car or vehicle of some sort that will go to crashes that are not injury and then record all that information. So maybe you have, instead of just regular police officers, you have almost a citizen officer of some sort that is handling just a crash investigation and not handling higher levels of traffic issues. 
Right. Because I, I listen, man, the defund the police argument, it's really hijacked what's a very worthwhile debate. Right. And I think that, yes, there are definitely people out there who genuinely want to see all the funding taken away from police departments. The issue with that and is that if somebody gets killed and my sister gets killed, who am I going to call? Right. And at the end of the day, that is going to have to be what we think of as the police officer, the investigator, the law and order SVU episode cop, the ice T who shows up at your door, takes your information and goes and finds out who killed your sister. Right. So that's. Well, no, I think that could still be done by a different investigation. Somebody specialized just in investigations, but not just a regular street cop that is showing up at your door saying, all right, give me your information and then I'll go find them. I think they're going to look for separate detectives and maybe they're going to have specialized people, maybe just the. There's going to be just specialized police officers that if there is a shooting or if a some other or, or problem, an emergency situation in, in an extreme situation where they where they then head to the scene to help out because they're the ones that are trained and armed and whatever. But that's just it. That, that what we're seeing right now. And the reason why defund the police is necessary is because police officers are being asked to respond to a lot of things that they have no business responding to or maybe not no business, but that they, they're not adequately trained to respond to because no human being can be adequately trained to be everything right right um if if you're dealing with somebody who's 200 pounds and jacked but they're also having a psychotic break do you want somebody there who can beat them up or do you want somebody there who can talk them down you you know i mean those are the questions that we're asking ourselves as a society right now it's really tough to say and there's no easy answer for it and that's why when you talk about specialization yeah that's the answer is that you really want specialty people who are highly trained and have these certain skill sets that are able to respond to things. The question becomes, okay, that's not defunding the police. That's now giving a ton more funding towards public safety because you have to pay six figures to get some of these highly qualified people. The people who could do this stuff right now are in the private sector, right? Right. And it, but it's going to cost more money. And so you're going to still have fewer police officers slash community resource officers slash uh, people talking people off the ledge, uh, uh, folks that are going to be part of an overall department. I did see that the city of Berkeley is considering major changes how it enforces traffic safety and their parking rules because they're going to shift the bulk of their activities, those activities like uh, just traffic enforcement and safety, away from police officers and then turn it over to an unarmed civilian city employee and basically let civilian, uh, these are air quotes here, police officer or citizen, <laughs> do citizen ticketing uh, instead of actually having a regular police officer do these activities. Los Angeles City Council, they, they discussed a similar proposal. They haven't enacted anything yet. But this new Berkeley Department of Transportation, when they enact it, would be responsible for traffic stops, for ticketing, for parking enforcement, But then you have to ask these questions like what percentage of traffic stops lead to a successful arrest or prosecution of the driver for some other non-motor crime for an outstanding warrant, that sort of thing, for a a gun in the car, for uh, child trafficking, for distribution of narcotics. Um, Not to mention, what a shitty job. Like, I, I mean, you're a meter maid. All you're doing is enforcing stuff that nobody wants to have to enforce. And the odds are they're not going to get compensated in a way that makes that an appealing proposition for anybody. Well, right? will they have to? They'll have to. At some point, you're going to have to pay people to want to do that job. 
Because everybody, I mean, you will do, I, I, I will go clean out porta potties uh, with a bucket if you pay me a million dollars a day to do it. Yes, but that's not what the going rate is, right? The right, exactly. But there's like got to be a, but there, right, but there is a going rate for somebody to do certain tasks. I mean, I'm gonna. There's a lot of things that I will do for the right amount of money. So if you pay me the certain mm-hmm. amount of money, then I'll do it. I guess the big thing with the traffic enforcement side of it is that we all have to understand as, as a society that we're going to pay for things that we hate. I mean, just hate these things. Meter maids can't stand them. Getting. Uh, getting hassled for running a red light or going 10 over the speed limit. Hate it. Can't stand it. Don't want to deal with it. Do I ever want to be photographed running a red light so that the cop can wave the picture in my face and say, you did this? No, I don't. But those are the things that are necessary so that traffic runs efficiently and safely in this society. I mean, we just need this stuff. Because if you don't do it, though, if you don't do those things, you're not going to get it. it, If I don't start waving a gun in front of a police officer, I'm not going to get shot. If I don't speed in front of a photo radar, I'm not going to get sent a ticket. But here's the flip side. If, if, the, if it's in the hands of voters, there's never going to be the opportunity. With red light cameras, we've seen this over and over again where voters say, no, we don't want this. We hate these things. And you need to have the, the 10,000 foot view where it's like, no, you need these things even if it's going to get you once in a while. Like we have them because it right. makes everything right. better. Now, presumably, these citizen traffic cops, uh, would you think that they're going to be allowed to search the driver or uh, or the passengers, even if the vehicle was there, even if there was, let's say, probable cause for the driver to be searched or for the passengers to be searched, if the civilian cop saw a bong in the passenger seat, would they have to call for a real police officer to to show up and then do something to, to fix that situation uh, or... And then, and then what? What if that gives the driver a chance then just to take off and gives themselves some time to remove the incriminating evidence before a real police officer shows up to make an arrest? I mean, what kind of arrest powers slash enforcement powers would these citizen cops really have if if they if they found something more than just uh, your license is, is is suspended and I'm going to write you up for that ticket? I mean, will they be able to perform a DUI arrest or a DUI? A roadside sobriety test. Would they actually be able to administer a breathalyzer? Because I believe you have to be certified to do those sort of things. And I think that as part of being a police officer, you have these arrest capabilities and powers more so than maybe a civilian cop does. So what's the difference there? I don't know. I don't know. Well, the difference is you're not carrying a weapon, right? I mean, that in and of itself. You have a, then you have change. all the powers then just without a weapon? Yeah, I mean, the weapon changes the dynamics of everything. The weapon introduces the threat of lethal force instantly. It just does. I mean, there's no way to argue that the power dynamics in a conversation between two people where neither has a weapon that's clearly visible and one and one where one, one, one person does have a weapon. Well, let's say visible. somebody gets pulled over, they have a warrant, they have a gun in the car, and then they shoot the civilian police officer who is unarmed. That could happen with an armed cop, too. Well, sure, it could. That has happened. But with at least they have the too. opportunity to defend themselves. The situation you're presenting is a straight up ambush, in which case, no, they well, do not sure. have it. I mean, that's a willfully, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. a defenseless person that they're shooting with no chance to do anything about it. Yeah. My, my real concern here is that knowing human behavior, and if people think they can get away with something, then they'll try to get away with something. And if they think they can get away with speeding or driving poorly or DUI, 
because some untrained civilian officer who doesn't have the arrest power is pulling them over, or because they feel that they're at a very low risk of being pulled over in the first place, then that's most likely what's going to happen. That, that's basically my my point of, of this entire conversation. Yeah, and I guess, again, specifically to the city of Denver, you're painting a world that is not dramatically different from where we're at now. People know they can get away with speeding, so they speed. People know they can get away with running red lights, so they run red lights. People know that, you know what I mean? There, there's no enforcement of any of this stuff right now. Maybe there is in parts of Denver that I'm not visiting, but in the parts of Denver that I visit, it's no big deal. Yeah, and that's and that's sad because that's then how a society will start, uh, not to collapse, but at least you let the inmates run the asylum, and that's and that's not the kind of society I want to live in. Mm-hmm. You know. All right. Well, that's uh, if, if you have any comments or concerns or uh, or other uh, ideas, maybe I I didn't touch on or we touched on, then go ahead and give us either an email at uh, driving you crazy podcast at gmail dot com or send us a voicemail uh, with your own voice by picking up your phone and then dialing 803-832-0217. You can get all that info here on the uh, description of the podcast as well. It's all right there at the uh, at the bottom of the link. So uh, any parting words there, Joseph? I hope that you leave us voicemails, and I hope that you do it from a landline so that when you hang up, I can hear that phone hit the receiver. That's the worst thing about having these newfangled phones, that you can't hear the phone actually hanging up. Because yeah, nobody has one of those old phones anymore. Even, even, Unless you're at your desk. You know, yeah, I guess. You're right. You would click. I love mm-hmm. that. It's that so was, satisfying. Oh, it's the best. It's just the best. All right. Well, uh, maybe I'll be here next week. Maybe not. I'll be heading to the mountains, and we'll see uh, We'll see if I make it out alive. Uh, thanks again for being here. Thanks for uh, listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I'm Joseph Peters, and I don't have any vacations coming up. Perfect. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. Happy motoring.